Welcome to the Inside Slant Podcast. Inside Slant Podcast. Brought to you by JayhawkSlant.com. Shay, where do you rank Bill Self's class? It's definitely one of the top 10 classes in the country. Bringing you all the latest info from the coaches, players, and recruits. Kirby, how big is this commitment? Well, he's the type of recruit that can change the whole class. For all of the latest KU news, analysis, and discussion, go online to JayhawkSlant.com. The online leader in recruiting and team coverage. Here's the staff from JayhawkSlant.com. Hey everybody, this is Randy Withers. We are back with another edition of the Inside Slant podcast from JayhawkSlant.com. This is our final pregame podcast of the 2022 football season. And folks, we have breaking news. Just as we are starting to record this evening, Pete Thamel just broke the news on Twitter, and John Kirby has confirmed with his sources Kansas football coach Lance Leipold has signed a new contract with the University of Kansas that will keep him in Lawrence through the year 2029. Folks, this is literally happening just as we started to record. We've been scrambling. If we sound a little off, you got to give us a little bit of leeway here. Huge, huge news. We've been talking about this all season, and it breaks literally the biggest news of the football season, maybe next to the bowl game eligibility, just as we're about to get this thing started. So John will be joining us here in a minute. He's on the phone right now talking with people that he has got relationships with about the impact of this thing, what it means, and and just what it looks like and what it does now to the trajectory of the Kansas football program. We're going to cover this thing from a number of different angles. Before we get into that, though, the Jayhawks had a tough one against the University of Texas last Saturday at home, senior day. We're going to talk about the loss of the Longhorns, and then we're going to look ahead to Saturday, the Sunflower Showdown in Manhattan, Kansas, against the Kansas State Wildcats. We're going to preview that one, get you primed and ready. Then we're going to update you on all the latest news from the recruiting trail, which the impact of this announcement, it's going to be really interesting to hear and to look ahead to find out what recruits are saying now that they know the direction for this program for the long term. We're going to talk about the third-ranked Kansas Jayhawks men's basketball program heading to the Bahamas. We're going to bring in our man, Shea Wildeboer, the man on the Kansas men's basketball beat. We're going to talk about everything to preview the tournament in Atlantis. Then we're going to look ahead to K-State. I mean, we've got so much going on right now. Looking ahead to the K-State game, we're going to bring in our man Mason Voth from EMAW Online. He's going to give us the view from behind enemy lines as we gear up with the Sunflower Showdown. Now it's time to welcome in the aforementioned man on the Kansas men's basketball beat, my buddy Shea Wildeboer. Shea, I hate to upstage you this evening. I'm glad to have you with us, but man... Just when we thought the number three Jayhawks were going to be the top story in this thing, Lance Leipold has to go and go do a thing. I'm 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 sorry, Shay. Randy, is there a, is there a fan base in America, college football wise, that deserves this any more than Kansas? Absolutely not. Full so don't stop. don't don't ever apologize, man. I mean, this fan base 
and listen, you guys know firsthand, so I'm not going to get this. These, I mean, this is a fan base that's experienced the absolute lows of the lows. So if listen, we are a tortured fan base, right? So I mean, no, <laughs> today seriously, Kansas fans, if I can say this, kick one back, pull out your night finest cigar, get your get your brandy or bourbon or whatever, and. I mean, really, this is this is a huge deal, man. When you you never know what's going to happen. You hear rumors, this and that, and Nebraska, Wisconsin. What's Lance going to do? And then, Jesus, man, if anybody deserves news like this, it's the University of Kansas football fan base. So, what better news could we get the day before Thanksgiving? Right. I mean, what? I mean, how how much more thankful can we be after the season that we've had, after bowl eligibility? after Lance Leipold has barely been on campus just over 12 months to have the year that we had and now shift into, you know, we, we've been in a lot of just uncertainty for the last month, maybe. And now to have this on the eve of Thanksgiving, I mean, there, what, what better gift for, for Jayhawk nation than Lance Leipold to sign this contract. Right. It's the biggest. I mean, it's the news couldn't be any better any bigger and and certainly Kansas fans deserve it. I mean, it's, it's torture when you don't know what's going to happen or you think you don't know what's going to happen or you think the guy that's been there such a short period of time may leave. So he's, he's, he's struck to his word every second of the day. So, I mean, I'm not surprised, but to see it official, I mean, it's, I mean, listen, Kansas fans kick back, relax and enjoy this. Cause it's, it's, I mean, it's a fan base that certainly deserves it. It is definitely a night for a few frosty beverages to celebrate this one. Speaking go. of frosty beverages, somebody that might need a couple frosty beverages a little later this evening, our man on the Kansas football beat and the publisher of Jayhawk Slant, John Kirby. Curb, you doing okay right now? Yeah, Randy, sorry, man. I, uh, I I know I got this thing delayed a little bit, but just as we were starting this up, this all came down. So <laughs> you know how that that works for me, man. That kind of rocks my world. It kind of it kind of uh, takes me into a whole nother universe here. I got my phones blowing up and everything, but man, just just amazing. Um, I don't know that that Kansas fans. It, listen, it, it's been talked about. You've been on our message board. I mean, it, you know, the, the, you've got the, there were national writers today. Okay. Uh, Feldman, I can't remember who, Dennis Dodd. Th- these guys were tweeting out as of this afternoon that they thought, you know, Leipold was probably choice number one. You know, they were all saying that Rule turned it down and and all this. And mm-hmm. so, you, you know, Randy, and I'm, I'm just going to give you my take on this, and I'm going to kind of just talk here, and I know we're kind of just we, – we usually wing these podcasts, and we just kind of go with the flow. So I, I can't tell you how big this is because – you know what Lance Leipold's done in in really less than two years on campus. No he, doubt, he has he has put this full program together. And when I say that, I don't mean just him and players and winning. I'm talking about a system, organizationally, structurally, from top to bottom. Okay, a culture. Literally, the man has yeah, built I mean, a culture yeah, in yeah, under a year and a half. Yeah, there, there's culture, but there's also. The, the the daily routine that kids have gotten into that he's put in place, okay? The the True. strength and conditioning under Matt Gildersleeve, the recruiting department, uh, uh, Greg Schwarzkopf, Rob Ionello, Scott Aligo, uh, Grant Murray, I, and I'm sure I'm missing names. All, 
all those guys that, that, that do a great job in there. And then, you know, the nutritionist, and then you've got, you know, the academic people, there is an entire structure in place. And I don't think people understand like it at the university of Kansas, what they've gone through in football, you know, this is the first bowl game they're going to in 14 years. Okay. Mm -hmm. I don't think people understand that every time there's a coaching change, it rocks the system. Okay. It mm -hmm. takes the kids. Today I was talking to Earl Bostick and he mentioned talking about he's had eight or nine coaches, position coaches that he's played for at KU. Okay. So my point is there is a structure in place and that's what makes Lance Leipold so good is what he's been able to do with that structure that he's put in place and the program that he's built. The, I'm talking about the things that the common fan doesn't see. Okay. I'm mm -hmm. talking about the things that are in place behind the scenes that make it go. Okay. And, and, and I don't mean to bring this up and compare them, but Mark Mangino was so good at that. Okay. There was a system in place that, I mean, it was so detailed and organized and structured. And that's what Lance Leipold's done. You know, now there's continuity with players going forward. Okay. Mm -hmm. Listen, and, I, and I'm just talking hypothetically here. If Lance Leipold, would have left. Let's say he would have left. I don't think people understand the magnitude that that would have had in the program, okay? Oh, no. Be because he would have taken good coaches. He would have taken the recruiting good department. Good players. He would have taken the strength and conditioning. I don't, I'm not even talking about the players that he would take, okay? who? Let's mm. say he never even takes a player, all right? But you know how many players would go to the portal? Because, oh, yeah. Because that's their coach, okay? Mm -hmm. And they're going to go to the portal. And guys that are grad transfers can go to the portal for a second time. So, and listen, I'm just throwing that out hypothetically, looking at what would happen if he, you know, would have left. But, hey, we don't have to talk about that. Because through 2029, at least, there's a new contract in place. And I'm sure we're going to get details soon. But this is massive news for the Kansas football program. Because, Randy, if you look at this, and you look at the roster, you look and you got four offensive linemen that are going to return, okay? Uh -huh. You've got, you know, a quarterback in Jalen Daniels. Next year, you're going to return four running backs. You're going to return all your top receivers. You know, there, there, there's some holes up front defensively. But there are still, you're talking probably 90, 95% of the production returns for KU, all right? Look what they were able to do this year. And I, I know I know they hit a rough patch here in the last part of the season. They started playing some good teams. But you give them another year to develop. You get them another year in the system. You get them another year with Gildersleeve. Leipold has this thing going in the right direction. And, and hey, listen, I, I have to say this. Props to Travis Goff, okay? Man, you, listen to this. Travis Goff comes in. All right. He he has spends like what three or four weeks on the job. When he first gets the job, he finally makes the determination. He evaluates the football program as fast as he can. He goes out on the road. He hires Leipold. That's like a whirlwind. Leipold comes in in May. All right. Look at look since Travis Goff's gotten here, he's got he's hired Lance Leipold. Bill Self's won a national championship. Um, he's extended Leipold now. They're going to a bowl game. Let me tell you, Kansas Athletics, and I know there's a lot of other things going on in other sports, but KU Athletics looks pretty good right now under Travis Goff. So, hey, I, I apologize for getting long-winded, but this is huge news. I know you said something about being bowl eligible. 
man, this is much bigger than being bowl eligible. The fact that they're going to keep everything in place that they have, that they've been building, and they're going to keep moving forward. If anybody should be allowed to be maybe a little long-winded, and that wasn't even long-winded. That was just the kind of detail that people come to Jayhawk Slant and the Inside Slant podcast to get. Kirby, you're the one, you've earned the opportunity because you saw what the wavering of Glenn Mason did in the 90s. You've seen this program go, you know, take, you know, make strides under Mark Mangino only to be snatched backwards. Then you've seen the, the, the just the downward spiral over the last 14 years. And all of that changes now. If anybody can talk about that, you bring the perspective and you you're granted the floor anytime you have something to say this evening. Now, one of the things that is going to be the impact on this, and I already kind of mentioned it earlier, the impact of this announcement on the Kansas Jayhawks recruiting efforts is, is going to be huge, just absolutely huge. And we talk a ton of recruiting on this show, but let me mention some good friends of ours, a local Kansas City company that's doing some big things on the recruiting trail themselves right now. My Freight World is a logistics company, a group of KU guys that no doubt are very, very happy with the news about Lance Leipold right now. They're based in Overland Park. They are looking to add more account executives to the team to help bring more customers into the fold. There's a better way to do things, and My Freight World's customers love them because they save them time and money, plus bring visibility and remove uncertainty from the freight transportation process. The account executive role offers great work-life balance, operational support, and an uncapped commission structure that truly rewards those that get after it. The harder you work, the more money you can make. Sounds kind of like Lance Leipold. That's a heck of a way to do the job. My Freight World is a great company to work for and a great company to work with as well for those listeners out there that might have freight transportation needs, especially as we're heading towards the end of the year and holiday season. Freight and shipping is at a premium. Reach out to MyFreightWorld.com. For all of our listeners, if you're looking to start a new career, maybe new year, new you, as we rolled into 2023, you're looking to make a change, or you know someone else who might be interested in getting into the exciting world of logistics, be sure to look up MyFreightWorld.com. Check out the career page on their website for more, and be sure and support these guys. They support us. They are the sponsors of the Inside Slant podcast. They allow us the opportunity to have all this fun with you guys. MyFreightWorld.com. Hey, Randy, I got to say this, too. You know, with the Leipold news and and all the good news around KU sports, the guys at My Freight World, they're having a good time with this, too, because these a lot of KU football guys, a lot of KU basketball guys work there. And and I've I've talked with Mike here over recent weeks about his company, his business. And and I got to tell you, they're seeing some pretty good response from sponsoring the podcast. They've had some good applicants already come in. There have even been a couple people who are in the freight business that have emailed me saying, hey, we'd like to get in touch with these guys. We might be able to, you know, might be able to work with them. So, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I just wanted to mention that um, not, not only are these guys there, it's an, it's a local company based in Overland Park, and just keep in mind. And, and I know school affiliation doesn't, you know, always matter that in, in the end, but hey, we're a KU podcast, and these guys are KU guys. 
Absolutely. And that is uh, on a night like tonight, as we head into the holiday season, we heading into Thanksgiving, everybody's thankful for the news about Lance Leipold. Be sure show a little thanks to our guys at MyFreightWorld.com for making this thing possible. Okay, so we've talked football. We've talked about the breaking news of the, in- of the evening. We're going to shift gears here for a few minutes. Shay, let's talk some men's basketball. I mean, you know, this squad is only ranked number three in the nation without their head coach in place. I mean, you know, it's 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 kind of a dull story, but I guess it's something we should talk about. We're recording a day earlier than normal. So by the time people are hearing this, the Jayhawks are already going to have played their first game in the battle for Atlantis down in the Bahamas. Tell us about the 4-0 start. What do you want to see from this squad as they head to the Bahamas? And and tell us about the impact of getting their Hall of Fame head coach Bill Self back just in time for Thanksgiving. Yeah, man, they, the the team hit the hit the road yesterday, and uh, you know they got there. We had media today, and and the thing, you know, the interesting thing to me, Randy, is I was really, really, really hoping to see a healthy squad. Um, you know, we haven't seen that yet. Um, you know, you had Zach Clements get hit in the face the first game uh, or the game against um, North Dakota State. You know, you have N.J. Rice that we just found out today battling COVID and also kidney stones. Uh, you know, you've got Cam Martin out um, still with that separated shoulder and then obviously Kyle Cuff. Um, so, you know, I, I, I'm anxious to see what this team really looks like at full strength. And, and, and to be honest with you, you know, I don't know when that's going to happen. But but in terms of having self back, I mean, I, I think it'll be and this is just me, but I think it'll be a completely, really a completely different look. Um, I, obviously, I know that self was with those guys on a day to day basis up until, you know, 24 hours before the game. Um, mm-hmm. but, you know, when he's in that huddle, when he's with you pregame, when he's going over scattering report the day of the game. Um, you know, when he's involved with all that stuff, especially the day-to-day stuff, it's just going to be a different look. Um, and for a lot of guys like, um, you know, like Kevin McCullough, for a lot of guys like Grady Dick, um, Ernest Ude, Zubi Ejiofor, it's going to be new for them. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I know that Bill was with them during the preseason, but the preseasons, you have one game in the preseason. Um, so this is going to be a completely different um, experience for them. So, uh, you know, how are they going to react? Uh, you know, how much more tuned up? Um, are the guys going to be tomorrow against NC State? Um, you know, how are the guys going to look? How will the substitution patterns be? You know, how will the minutes be impacted? Um, you know, I, I just think it's there's so many things in the air. In, in the past, Randy, the thing that I've noticed is some guys, you know, they make a mistake. The first thing they're doing is maybe looking over the shoulder. And I'm interested to see how that changes from when Coach Roberts was coaching to when Coach Self is coaching. You know, when's he going to make that first substitution? Um, you know, who's it going to be? And I know that they say that they talked about that stuff, um, you know, when Self was was on his self-imposed suspension. Mm-hmm. But I'm interested to see what it happens in-game. I mean, this is – for a lot of these guys, it's going to be new. You're on the – you know, you're in an unfamiliar territory. Uh, you know, your coach is back for the first time playing an NC State team that likes to shoot the ball from deep. I think Coach said today they averaged 35 attempts from deep. So, I mean, it's going to it's gonna be one of those games where it's it's on the fly, man. I mean, I, it's going to be a competitive game, and a, um, it, it's all going to be different. I'm just um, – you know, I'm interested to see how they respond. That said, what, what are your you, – you're interested to see how they respond. What do you expect? What do you think is going to happen in this tournament at the Atlantis in the Bahamas this weekend? I, well, I think it just depends on on what you, I mean is is Jalen Wilson Jalen Wilson continue to average twenty five almost twenty five points and ten rebounds a game, 
Can, can Grady Dick continue to shoot 50 percent from? Uh, you know, That's from exactly the what I was about to ask. Yeah, yeah. What, I mean, can, can 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 those things continue? Uh, you know, can the um, Harris continue to um, you know really do an outstanding job of running this offense, taking care of the basketball while getting other guys involved? Um, and here's another thing, Randy, and I know he's just four games into his career but you know Kevin McCullers you know leads the team with 14 turnovers and he had five turnovers his last game can those things tighten up a little bit um, well and, and it, more maybe even a bigger question is Bill Self going to stick with a guy that uh, turns yeah. the ball over to clip like that we we know what he expects from his guards right that ain't gonna fly no no but at the same time you know I heard someone talk about that on Twitter the other day talking about when when does MJ Rice get the nod over okay, listen I, I I think Kevin McClure is going to be given every opportunity to tighten things up before any changes are made. I, I, I mean, I just I can't imagine. Um, you, you know, I, I can tell you this: Bill loves Kevin. Everything yeah. about him. I mean, what he brings defensively, just the experience he has. Um, I know he's still working on a shot, waiting for that to develop. But I just, you know, uh, if if he can tighten things up, I mean, he's going to be a huge addition to this team. And who's going to be who's going to be the the five man? I mean, obviously, I know they've been going with KJ Adams. Um, you know, is is Ernest Uday gonna, um, you know, is he gonna throw his hat into the ring? Um, how much is Zuby Edgy if we're gonna play? And when Zach Clements comes back, you know, what type of impact is he gonna have? You know, I th- Randy, I think before he got hurt, he was only averaging about ten minutes a game, and this is a guy that I expected to really start before the season started. So, I mean, there's a get healthy, um, you know, figure out that rotation, tighten things up. Um, Shay, here's my question, last one for you. Because, you know, I, we got to get back to the football stuff. I want you, uh, you, I know you love when I put you on the spot. Best player in the Bahamas for the Jayhawks, who's it going to be? Oh, it has to be Jalen Wilson. Agreed. It has to be. I mean, if they're, if, if, if they're going to be the last team standing when this thing ends. But the thing is, Randy, if he's, if, if, I, think, I think it was the Duke game, he was 0-7 from behind the arc. Mm-hmm. So if his shot's not falling, how does he score? How does he make an impact? And to me, that's going to, I mean, when, when, when things get frustrated, you know, when teams throw looks at him that he's not used to, um, you know, when he's, when the jumper's not falling, can he get to the basket? How is he going to impact the game? And to me, that's the, I mean, he, he's got to be the dog on this team. He's got to be the guy that leads. So if, if it's going to be a good week in the Bahamas, um, you know, it's going to have to be spearheaded by Jalen Wilson, no doubt about it. That's the word from our man Shea Wildebor on the men's basketball beat. Shea, we appreciate you jumping on on this big breaking news evening. Have a heck of a Thanksgiving, man, and we'll talk with you soon. You, you too, fellas. Enjoy the live full news. Absolutely. All right, so now we're going to shift back over to the 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 joyous world of Kansas football right now. Bring back in my man John Kirby. And, you know, John, Saturday was about as rough as it could possibly be against the Texas Longhorns. I, I you You mentioned last week when we talked about it, you kind of foreshadowed what Bijan Robinson did, and it was it was even worse than you than you forecasted it might be. Well, Randy, listen, the guy is probably going to be the number one running back taken in the draft. All right, I so don't see how I don't see any way he's not. Well, I mean, he, he's, he's a good. beast. Listen, Kansas State's got a good defense. Okay, true. They went into Manhattan in a big game, and they hung thirty one on K State in the first half. Okay. And Bijan had like 210, 220. I can't remember the exact number on K-State. Mm-hmm. This guy's the real deal. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I said this last week. I said, this game's about Texas. This game's not about Kansas. Okay, Is this the Texas team that beats Oklahoma 48 to nothing? Is it the Texas team that loses to Alabama 
on a last second field goal that I thought outplayed Alabama? Yes. Or is it the team that, you know, that, that that sputters in Stillwater and loses in Lubbock? I, I flat out said it depends on which Texas team shows up. And we saw which Texas team showed up. Okay. I mean, they are just, and, and sometimes, Randy, a high school coach told me this one time in a, in a game that he had beat. I'll tell you who it was. It was Tony Severino. Tony Tony okay. told me when when they had played Hutch, they beat Hutch um, at Rockhurst. It was Nathan Schillhouse, okay? And then the following year, they went down to Hutch. And, and I mean, Hutch laid it on them down there. And I remember talking to Tony that next day, and I said, hey, you know, how'd it go? He said, well, I told my players. He said, guys, sometimes you're the nail and sometimes you're the hammer. <laughs> And that that sounds like Sev. And and so so here's my point: the Jayhawks were the nail on Saturday, and and Texas came to play. And you 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 ready? I'm going to tell you something else too, because I saw some comments on the Texas board. You remember KU went down there and beat them 57-56 in Austin the year before, right? Oh, I, I you know what? I vaguely remember okay. something about Jared Casey. But, okay, I think. But, but let me tell you something: Texas remembered it too. Because they've been waiting for one year, hearing about that day that Kansas went down there and beat them, and they've been watching highlights, and and they they came ready to play. And I know people yes, were saying did. it's going to be cold, and they're not going to like that. I don't think Texas felt any temperature on Saturday. So hey, you know what? I talked to the players after the game. All right, because I was like, all right, now you got to get ready for K State, and the players were all like, we got to flush this Texas game. 24 hours we got to get ready for k-state so here's the good news what we'll do we'll flush the texas game and we won't talk it about again i hey i love that plan i am all for that we are only talking about positive things this evening after the (laughs) after the news breaking of lance leipold's contact contract extension through 2029 only talking about good stuff the rest of the night i am all for that the jayhawks are gearing up to wrap up the regular season on Saturday evening in Manhattan. It's the Sunflower Showdown against the Kansas State Wildcats. To hear more about the game from the KSU point of view, we bring in our friend Mason Voth from EMAW Online. We are joined by Mason Voth. He is the publisher of EMAW Online, and he covers the Kansas State beat. And he's going to join us and talk about the game on Saturday night. Mason, how you doing, man? I am uh, doing all right, re- ready to go for the most anticipated Sunflower Showdown since, honestly, 2019. I feel like 2019 had a lot of juice to it uh, before it actually took place, where it felt like, in some people's eyes, Les Miles was doing some things right, and there was energy there. So I don't think it goes back as far, but uh, it's certainly going to be fun to, to see two teams above 500 playing each other. Mason, I remember 1995, and that was a game when both teams were in the top ten, and, I mean, that was supposed to be a really good game. And I want to say KU scored the very first points. It was on a pass to maybe Isaac Bird. And you're like, all right, this is going to be a good one. And then I want to say K-State rolled off like the next 45 points. And it was it ended up being a blowout. But th- there haven't been many games in, in this series here lately. But, you, hey, I wanted to start with you. and Just talk about the excitement around Kansas State's program and, and the season they're having, and, and a win over KU puts them in the title game. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is kind of everything that people talked about going into the season where there were quite a few people outside of even Manhattan that had K-State as this dark horse threat in the Big 12. 
I'm not sure they anticipated that it was going to be them battling the likes of TCU to be towards the top, uh, but it certainly kind of raised the, the level of excitement. I mean, football is always a big deal in Manhattan, um, but it's it's been really big this year, and it's kind of come in different ways. I mean, the the lows that have been had with this season have been kind of low, and there's been plenty of fan meltdown after, like, the two-lane game. Um, but I kind of go back to that, and I think that the two-lane loss had to happen for K-State to get to where they are now in the season. I mean, that was a bad game for them. They only scored 10 points. You could just tell through the first two games that they had won, beating South Dakota, Missouri really bad, that Adrian Martinez wasn't comfortable throwing the ball down the field. And so I think it took them kind of getting kicked in the mouth to realize, oh, we gotta we got to try and get things to move in the right direction. And then to Martinez's credit and Colin Klein, the offensive coordinator, they kind of built onto things from there and kept getting better. And then uh, he ends up with kind of a lingering knee injury from the Iowa State game. He comes off the bye. It's still not 100% and only plays four snaps in Fort Worth. But then Will Howard comes into the game, lights the world on fire, and it's not until he has to leave the game with an injury for a little bit that TCU's finally able to take the lead back. That's one of those things that uh, looking on the season um, is going to be kind of a big question mark is if Howard or Martinez had been able to stay healthy for that game, do they continue to, to, to run away with it against TCU? Because the Wildcats had the lead when Will Howard left the game. And then the two series that Jake Rubley had to come in to play uh, for K-State, he threw an interception and then he failed to convert uh, on a fourth down with a quarterback sneak that was a pretty poor effort. So there's just been these these things where you can't really put your uh, mind on it, like why it's happened, um, but there's been a lot more good that's taken place this year, and, and that's got people really excited for, for what's coming this weekend and then hopefully next weekend. Mason, I was I was in Lawrence uh, today, and we, we were talking to some of the KU coaches and players, and, and people in the media were getting alerts on their phone that, hey, you know, breaking news, Will Howard will play or start. And I, I, I just kind of thought it was assumed that he would be the starter. But just talk about how he's played since he's come in and taken over the job. He's been a totally different dude since he's gotten the opportunity to play. Um, I mean, most people can probably remember 2020. He was the guy that started against KU there. And he, he made a couple of throws in that game. But most of it was, I mean, Philip Brooks returned two punts in that game for a touchdown. Deuce Vaughn had the play where everybody likes to make fun of Gavin Potter still um, and, and all this stuff that went down to it. He didn't have to do a whole lot there. And it was the week after that that they went on the road and he played terribly against West Virginia. And it was just an ugly, ugly performance. Well, then uh, they end up coming back home and they're facing Oklahoma State and they have this chance to – still be in the Big 12 title race, and he makes two critical turnovers late in the game. And he had a bad game um, that season as well uh, against – so Oklahoma State was not very good, and then he was able to go ahead and, and have a bad one against Baylor, had some turnovers at the end. Well, then this year it's kind of been about exercising the demons of 2020 for Will Howard, where he beat Baylor and Oklahoma State by a combined score of 79-3, to which is a pretty big deal. And then he got to go back on the road to Morgantown, West Virginia last weekend, where he is the closest game he'll play to his family. It's a four-hour drive from where he's from in Pennsylvania. And he played pretty well. He had one bad throw where I think he just felt a little bit confident about what he was doing um, and just tried to fit a ball that wasn't there, and it got picked off. 
But other than that, he threw the ball well, and he's just been really confident. It's been a totally different dude this season. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that his offensive coordinator this year is Colin Klein, as opposed to the last two years when it was Courtney Messingham, where Colin Klein can relate to the guys at that position a little bit better. And he's made this offense just more friendly and accessible to everybody. Um, obviously, the quarterbacks love having him as their OC, but even guys like the receivers who, I mean, K-State isn't an attractive place if you want to play wide receiver because they weren't putting the ball in the air that much. It just wasn't how Courtney Messingham operated. But this year, as the season has continued to grow, Colin Klein has given the receivers a chance to make more plays. And now part of that is because of his philosophy and the talent of the receivers. But I think the other part of that, too, is like he just being a quarterback himself thinks that the QB needs to have those chances where you put your faith in them and they make something happen. So he's been a totally different dude. And the first couple of starts he was out there, you kept waiting for the pin to drop and and see him revert back to the guy that was playing quarterback the last two seasons. Um, But he has not done that. And now it's solved a lot of problems for K-State for this year with Martinez being out. And then uh, for the future where next year it seemed like it was going to be really dicey on what the quarterback situation looked like. All right, staying with the offense, I want to know, just talk talk to me. I mean, have they tweaked what they do with with Howard? And then also just kind of talk about, listen, we all know Deuce Vaughn, but who, who else is there to watch as playmakers on the offense? Yeah, so offensively, it's not like totally different than what it has been in past years. But one of the things that they've done now with Howard is it's definitely more like try and throw the ball a little bit more and they're also going to go a little bit more up-tempo when Howard's in at quarterback. Um, with When Martinez is in there, part of his game was you had to wait some time to catch his breath because he was having to rip off like 15-yard runs. Um, with Will Howard, there will be occasionally a design run if they really think that they can sneak it on somebody. Um, but most of the time, like it's going to be pretty standard where – if they're looking to throw, they're going to throw, or he's told, hey, you're giving the ball to Deuce Vaughn or DJ Giddens, who's the, the second running back this year, and letting them go to work. So it's been a lot more balanced uh, with our quarterback. But I also think that Iowa State game, we started to see K-State try to throw the ball a little bit more, and Adrian Martinez looked better doing it. The receivers played better in doing so. And from that point, I think it was going to be either quarterback for K-State was going to start to throw the ball more. It just so happened it was Howard, and, and throwing the ball plays to his strengths a little bit better. Uh, when it comes to weapons, Deuce Vaughn's still as good as ever, but there's been a lot of the workload that's had to be like taken off of him this year, and it's, it's a good thing for him because he's not being asked to do a, a ton of things left and right and, and having to carry the ball you know, 35 times or whatever. DJ Giddens is a running back from Junction City. He's a redshirt freshman, and he took the number two job. And outside of one guy who got one carry against Missouri in a blowout, uh, DJ Giddens is the only other running back that has a carry this season. And he's done really good when he got in there, got a chance last week against West Virginia early in the game, ripped off a 49-yard touchdown run. Um, So you'll see a little bit of DJ Giddens. But when it comes to, to watching guys in this offense, the dude that's come out of nowhere is Ben Sennett, who is a tight end from Iowa. And originally you thought he'd probably fit more into that like fullback role that K-State has, but he's a true receiving tight end right now that has really good size to him. Um, and really since the 
it would would have been like the Oklahoma State game. He started making plays, and each one that occurs, you just kind of shake your head, like where where did this guy come from, and how did this come about? But he's probably been one of the top targets for Will Howard. Um, and then the other notable guy would be Malik Knowles, who's been around forever. He's played at K State since 2018. He still has a year of eligibility. He could use next season if he wants to. Um, but we've seen him take a step forward this year, and I think it's because he's getting more opportunities. I think he's fully healthy for the first time in a while, and he is making big plays where it's you know run running after the catch and, and going for 20 or 30 extra yards, or actually going up and coming down with the football which was something that had plagued him a lot in his career. So those are, those are probably the guys to keep your eye on on offense that'll, that'll make some noise outside of Deuce Vaughn. You know, on defense, and I was hoping you could talk about this, but when I watched them play Oklahoma State, it looks like they were in a three-man front a lot, and, and they were getting a lot of pressure with, um, you know, with that three-man front. Obviously, uh, Felix, number 91, is a stud, but just talk about their scheme and tell us some of the players to watch. Yeah, so that was a little bit of something different they did this year. They went to the three-three-five, and a lot of it has to do with, with their personnel. They said that they really like the fact that they had great pass rushers up front. Um, I mean, right up the middle, their defensive tackle, Eli Huggins. Pretty much every team K-State has played against this year or is getting ready to play, the opposing coach has said something really good about Eli Huggins. So he does a lot of good things that – aren't always going to show up, obviously, in getting to the backfield, but also, you know, making tackles. But he does a lot of things to stress an offensive line, and that helps for the guys on the edge, like Felix Andy Uzama, who has still been really good this year uh, for K-State. But then they've also been able to move a guy like Khalid Duke, who entered last season um, as probably the projected number one pass rusher for K-State, but he tore his ACL in the third game of the season. So he's come back, and because they had developed more depth at the defensive end spot, they moved him to linebacker. So now he kind of plays this hybrid role where they can play him at linebacker, but there will be times where they also will kind of bring him up to add some extra pressure. Um, And and so that's one of those things that has helped is they can bring a guy from the linebacking core down. And another dude to to keep in mind is Brendan Mott, who just got named uh, the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Week. He had three sacks at West Virginia – he kind of came on out of nowhere um, and, and has stepped his game up where he just earned a scholarship this season, and he's the real deal. Like, uh, a lot of people still don't give him enough credit uh, in Manhattan, but he plays really good football, and he's the third Wildcat this season to have three sacks in a game. So Felix Ndike, Uzama, Khalid Duke, and now Brendan Mott have all had three-sack games this season. So the Wildcats have a ton of dudes up front that can really get after you, um, and that's that's why they can do it with just three guys up there. And then that's helped them in coverage this year where they can have more guys kind of flying around and, and being ready to, to, to stop whatever passing attack teams have. How's everything look with uh, injuries, either guys maybe going to miss a game or guys coming back, or tell me about that. Uh, offensively, other than Martinez, who's not going to play this week, um, they're in pretty good standing right there. They feel good about where things are defensively is is a little bit dicey right now. So in the tech, uh, not the Texas game, but against Baylor, they lost uh, Kobe Savage, who was a Juco transfer this year that was playing safety for him. And entering the season, safety was a big concern for K-State. People weren't sure where the depth was going to come from. And then all of a sudden, they had guy after guy seemingly step up. And they're like, okay, things are going to work out pretty well here. 
Well, Savage goes down against Baylor, so that means some guys have to get reshuffled. A guy like Sincere Mason has to slide in and play a bigger role last week at West Virginia. And first possession of the game for West Virginia, Sincere Mason picks it off, takes it the other way for a touchdown. So you think, okay, this is going pretty well for everybody. And then not really sure what play it happened on. We just all noticed at some point somebody had gone into the medical tent on K-State sideline. It was Sincere Mason. He comes out. He goes to the locker room with his, with a towel over his head. And Chris Kleiman confirmed today that Sincere Mason was gone for the season. So K-State's lost two safeties and two guys that have played a lot of snaps uh, in back-to-back weeks now. And so that's probably going to be the thing that they're trying to work out the most. And, and it didn't go very well last week without Kobe Savage. Um, Josh Hayes and Drake Cheatham, who have been really good this season, got burnt by West Virginia a handful of times, um, like deep over the top. Sam James, I think, had three touchdowns in the game. And so they need to work some things. They need to get comfortable back there. And whenever K-State has had to lose a, a DB in a game this year, they've had some communication problems back there. That's one of the things, if you see anything from the Texas game, you'll pick up on, Basically, while Texas is snapping the football, a guy like Echo Boydo, one of the corners, a Lawrence native, is still in the middle of trying to direct guys where to go, where they need to be, who they need to match up with. And by the point they get it settled, uh, Quinn Uris had already zipped the touchdown pass into the end zone or something. So that's really the biggest thing when it comes down to injuries is being without those two safeties now in case they needing to find their footing. Well, Mason, I'll end it with this, man. This is the final question. Just how do you see this matchup, and how do you think it might play out? Uh, I, I think there are a couple of things that are, are really favorable to K-State, uh, and that would be the fact that, that KU has obviously struggled at stopping the run. And with Deuce Vaughn, that's always a, a big deal to be able to have a team that doesn't do very well against the run. It just, it just seems to work out in your favor. Uh, And then I think just another big thing for K-State is they're going into this game with obviously a lot riding on it, but they've always understood and Chris Kleiman has understood kind of what this game means and and the value that goes to it. Um, I I think there have been times when when Chris Kleiman has been here that some games have been taken for granted or they've let something slip through the cracks and, and they felt pretty bad about it. But this team is pretty locked in right now. And the, the confidence level that they have is probably the highest they've had since Kleinman was here because I think everything is just working together right now. I mean, everybody's doing their job, whether that's the, the coaches and the coordinators to the players. And it, it's a totally different vibe. So I, I think just the atmosphere and everything that they have to play for on Saturday uh, is going to, to provide a pretty juiced-up K-State football team. And so – I think that there's probably going to be a little bit of a, a battle early on, and we'll see kind of how the feeling out process goes. One thing to watch for, and you'll kind of know how K-State's feeling, is whenever they've won the toss this year, I think they've now decided to re- receive the ball as opposed to defer more than uh, deciding to defer. So if they're feeling confident and they want to get the offense out there and make a statement early, you'll probably see them take the ball if they win the toss. Um, I think that would be one of those things where if you're on the KU side, you probably go, oh, no, because that means they're feeling it. And they've pretty much answered every time they've done it this year. Um, they, they first did that against Oklahoma. They wanted to give Adrian Martinez a chance to, to be comfortable and get out there, and he ran down the field and scored for K-State. Um, and, and it also happened last week at West Virginia. It happened against Oklahoma State. So 
there are a lot of these situations where uh, K-State has used their confidence in a strong way this year. So I think you see a confident K-State team go out there and, and ultimately probably win this game you know, by a 10-point a, a margin or something like that. I, I think KU is talented enough to hang with them. They obviously do a lot of things really well. And I, I think that for Kansas, like looking at w- what's gone on with them probably, this is the game where – You've got the bowl game locked up, but now this is the next big step for them and kind of the progression of getting KU football back. So I think this is going to be probably one of the more competitive games we've seen in a long time, but not just competitive. I I think it's going to be competitive because both teams are playing well. I don't think it's going to be like the uh, 2018 game where both teams were terrible and it was close just because two bad teams play a close game against each other. That is Mason Both, the publisher of Emo Online. And, man, I really appreciate you coming on and giving us some great stuff. And uh, it should be, a, should be an entertaining one, let's hope, on Saturday night. And thanks for joining us, Mason. Absolutely. I appreciate it. All right, J.K., let's get into this game. Give me your thoughts on the matchup with K-State and ending the regular season with the Sunflower Showdown. Well, so my biggest question is this. What is Andy Kotelnicki going to do with Jalen Daniels? Or what can Jalen Daniels do? I think maybe that's the better question. Because against Texas, I went back and watched the game. There was no quarterback design, run design plays. There's no quarterback draws. There's no option. And when you look back and when Kansas was really rolling on the offense, when they got things going against West Virginia, when they got things going down in Houston, and in flashes of other games against like Duke, okay, the, the offense, what they were able to do, they were able to keep people on their heels and they were able to move the ball several different ways. They were throwing the ball. They were, they were, they were going downfield. They were running that option. They had the quarterback run game. Jalen Daniels was scrambling. The only two rushes Jalen Daniels had the other night were broken plays where he had to get out of pressure. And I, and I want to say he had like an eight-yard gain and a six-yard gain. I can't remember what they, they, they exactly were. But he's got that ability, and that's what made him special. So the question's going to be, hey, is he fully healthy? Is he ready to go? Do you have to dial back some of the things that made him real good when KU was getting off to that 5-0 and start? And, and I think that's a big thing because when you look at Kansas State's defense, they're really good. Okay, I know uh, 91 Felix, I can't pronounce his last name. I always butcher it, but the guy's a stud. Okay, he's mm-hmm. he's an the NFL. Lee Summit. Yeah, he's yeah he's a he's an NFL guy. I mean, they've got speed. They're aggressive. You know, they they press you. They, I mean, Kansas State puts a lot of pressure on you defensively. But if Jalen Daniels could get back and run some of that run game, run some of that option, all of a sudden you start getting Kansas State on their heels a little bit, and they don't mm-hmm. know what's coming. I think that is a really big element. Um, you know, hey, maybe maybe we see an ex- a bump from the Leipold news. Maybe the players come out and, you know, play inspired. Because, Randy, we all know this, okay? Kansas State has a lot to play for. It's a night game in Manhattan. I'm sure that place is going to be geeked up. I mean, I, I, I've been there when Manhattan is nuts. It is a hard place to play. So they're uh-huh. going to be ready to play. You know, you heard Mason talk about, you know, they've got a couple safeties out, okay? So, you know, can the Jayhawks get the pass game going? They've got to match Kansas State's intensity because at home, Kansas State is a tough team. And playing a night game, and like I just mentioned, they're going to be tough there. So, you know, Kansas State has a lot to play for. They're, They're a win there. They're going to the Big 12 title game. I just think 
right now where the two teams are. I just think Kansas State's playing better football. I think they're at home. The Jayhawks have got to shore up that run defense. Deuce Vaughn's going to be ready. You know they're going to. They've got a big physical offensive line. Man, I just think that I just think it's going to be too much Wildcat on Saturday. I'm going K State 38, KU 24. What's yours? It's not that different from yours, but I have made sure that we do have different scores against this week. <laughs> I, I if you you made the rule that I can't copy your score anymore, and I'm sticking to that. I'm with you. Um, this uh, this Kansas defense much maligned, and deservedly so. They specifically, especially not specifically, especially against the run, they have struggled mightily this year. I I see that being exposed. I don't know if it'll be quite the same yardage total as what Texas had against them last week, but I I, I expect K-State to be relentless running the football. I I see Deuce Vaughn having a, a huge day against the, or huge night against the Jayhawks. I also see uh, K-State being able to to hit on some play action passes and do some things. Um, I've got this one. 31-14, and I, I I was real close to saying 38-14. Um, I think even with, you know, even with the, the positive momentum off the announcement and, and the fact that so much of the uncertainty, which I don't think it was, I don't think it had seeped into the program. There are a lot of people that were trying to insinuate that on the boards. I don't buy any of that. No, I, I heard it, that. It, it wasn't. I, I can tell you this. I've talked to people on the inside of the program. There, there were not players sitting around whispering in the locker room. Do you think Coach Leipold's leaving? Do you, the, I'm just telling you, I've talked to enough people. Mm-hmm. It, it, listen, it was it was with the the donors and the fans and the message boards, okay? And they, it exactly. was a hot topic there. But deep inside the walls of the locker room, I'm just telling you, it was not it was not a big of a thing. Now, now that the news is out, the players will be super happy. But it was not True. something that was playing an effect of what was happening on the field. That said, like I say, I think I think it gives them a boost, but I don't think it's going to be enough of a boost to change things at all on the scoreboard. I, uh, yeah, I, I, K State's K State will win this one in Manhattan. They'll win it handily, and then I think they have a tremendous shot to go to the Big Twelve Championship game and and upset TCU. I think they they have the players in place to do it, and they have a chance. TCU is really really good, but I think K State will give them everything they want in the Big 12 championship game. So we've previewed the matchup, John. We've heard from Mason Voth from EMA online to preview things from the K-State point of view. I've mentioned recruiting a couple times already and the impact the Leipold announcement could have on that. I know we had some official visitors that were in for the game against Texas, and obviously that the game didn't turn out the way anybody wanted to, especially to have those guys in the house. What have you heard from the players that were here and, and what were some of the impressions they gave you when you had a chance to talk with them? Yeah, Randy, it was, um, th- th- there were four key visitors on official mm-hmm. visits. Okay. There, there was close to a hundred unofficials and I've got some reaction coming from those guys. And, and, and I've got a couple more stories coming on the official visitors. And I got to tell you, it was huge. It was a big weekend to get these Juco visitors in. I'll, I'll give you an example. Kyle Wallen is a defensive end from American River. He's got SEC schools, Big Ten schools, Big 12 schools all over. Mm-hmm. So he took his visit this weekend. 
And when I talked to him, I said, where are you going next? He said, you know, I really don't know. He said, because our team's going to advance in the in the playoffs, and we don't know what our playoff schedule is going to be, so I don't know when I'm going to be able to take another visit. He goes, I may be able to take one more visit. So it was big for Kansas to get these guys in here. So Absolutely. Kyle- yeah, Kai Wallen had a good trip. Uh, Taiwo Onotolu has been his his lead recruiter, KU's defensive ends coach. So um, we'll have to just see where he goes from there. I know he kind of told me he, he caught a cold on Sunday, leaving there, and he was when I talked to him, he was under the weather. Um, Buffalo Cruz, offensive lineman from California, he was in. He told me possibly one more visit. Um, could be Arizona State, could be Memphis. And then he said he wasn't sure. He said, hey, I could end up deciding to commit and not take any visits. So I think KU's in good shape there. We just got to wait and see how it plays out. Lardarius Webb, cornerback from Jones College. He is really, I think he's down to three. I think it's KU, Oklahoma State, and Mississippi State. That's an interesting final three. Well, so his college is in Mississippi, okay? Mm -hmm. Um, Now, this is what's going to be interesting. People that I've talked to, have said, I think Mississippi State's going to be the guy that's the, the team to beat. I'm kind of getting a different vibe. I, I think this might come down to KU and Oklahoma State, so we're just going to have to kind of wait and see. He, he takes his visit to Mississippi State December 2nd, I believe it is. So he's got one more, and then we're just going to have to wait and see. But I think the Jayhawks are in this, and this is a kid that can come in and play corner right away. He graduates in December, and I'm telling you, he is talented. And then the last one who was in was Nico Taylor, a defensive end from Hutch. You and I have talked about it. He's from Blue Valley North. Now, he moved here from California, and this is is where I think it's going to get get interesting. His next visit is San Diego State, okay? He's from San Diego, okay? So... Mm -hmm. There was a time I'm thinking, hey, KU's got to be the leader here, but I'm 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 kind of shifting gears and that San Diego State could be a player because this is where he's from. I mean, this is where he grew up, and he mm-hmm. moved to Blue Valley North. Like, I want to say he played two years at Blue Valley North, so before that he was in California. So San Diego State could be somebody to watch. So those were the those I don't like the, the sound of that, John. No, hey, <laughs> Randy, in recruiting you always look for clues and signs that can play a factor, right? Like you, yeah. you never know. Sometimes you hear about a guy, you, you're talking to a kid and you're like, Hey, you know what? You know, why KU? And he's like, Oh, I got family in Lawrence. And I go, mm-hmm. like, Oh, okay. I mean, there, there's little things that come up in conversations with recruits that you hear that you start thinking, okay, this could be a factor. Or this could tilt things one way. And okay. So I'm, and I got, I'm looking ahead. The, the weekend after the K-State game, I believe that's December 2nd weekend. Be, be ready now, because I, I think the recruiting is going to get hot and heavy. I mean, we got all the Lance news out of the way. He's a Jayhawk. He's going to be at KU. His staff's going to be here. So look for recruiting to kick in. I think we'll see at least 10 official visitors on December 2nd. So things are going to start picking up. And then, as you know, we've talked about this. The December 2nd weekend, right? Then we're going to mm-hmm. find out where KU's going to a bowl game on December 4th. Fifth, that's Sunday. No, the fourth is a Sunday. The and fifth is when the world goes crazy. The fifth is when the Twitter breaks, right? Because, <laughs> yes, <laughs> because you got the portal. Every if Elon kid, still has Twitter up and running, it will collapse on the fifth. Well, December fifth is the day everybody can enter the portal officially, and that is going to be a day that people are going to lose their minds, including me. So, um, <laughs> so hey, we're about ready to get in some fun stuff here. So keep keep an eye on the recruiting, and I'll also have some updates coming. 
you know, it, it, you mentioned recruiting and we talked about it in depth. I got to one more time before we close out. Thank our friends at MyFreightWorld.com. You know, we talk a ton of recruiting. They are recruiting right now for their account executive role. If you're looking to make a change as we head into the new year or it's just maybe you know somebody else that's looking to make a move. The account executive role offers great work-life balance with operational support and an uncapped commission structure that makes you – that rewards you. The harder you work, the more money that you make. It's a great company. A bunch of KU guys that I guarantee you are enjoying a few frosty beverages after the news of Lance Leipold's contract extension tonight. Be sure to check them out at MyFreightWorld.com. That'll do it. For a breaking news edition of the Inside Slant podcast from JayhawkSlant.com. We talked about every aspect of the Lance Leipold contract extension and the ramifications for the Kansas football program. Our buddy Shea Wildeboer jumped on and previewed the Battle for Atlantis tournament and the return of Hall of Fame head coach Bill Self to the Kansas Jayhawk bench. We previewed the Sunflower Showdown matchup on Saturday night at Kansas State with a, with the, the view from behind enemy lines. We gave you our predictions. We've looked ahead. We've talked recruiting. There is literally nothing else left to say. With that, for our man Shea Wildeboer, for my good friend John Kirby, I'm Randy Withers. You've been listening to the Inside Slant podcast from JayhawkSlant.com. Happy Thanksgiving. We will talk with you again soon. This has been a podcast from jhawkslant.com.